Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Good to see you. Good to be back. I was away for a few weeks. I had uh, a small mouth surgery and that took me out for uh, basically two weeks and then I was uh, able to go see my in-laws in the region of Ottawa, so we had a great family time. It made more than two years that we hadn't seen our, uh, my in-laws, so it was a great time to, uh, to, to be with them, enjoy their company, and so I did a lot of eating and a lot of talking, so we had a great time. But it's good to be back. Uh, God is so good. It's a beautiful season we're in, right? And what we want to see is we want to see God do what he does so well to come and, and just wash over us and reveal himself to us on a personal level. So if you're here for the first time, we've been attending for a long time, just want to let you know that God is here to meet your needs, to reveal himself to you, and to... Uh, so into your heart so that you might become the woman of God and the man of God that, that he has planned you to be. Amen. I would ask you to stand. We're just going to present ourselves before the Lord uh, this morning. Father God, I'm so thankful for each person uh, that is here and uh, for the kids that grow, for all those that are serving. We thank you for your faithfulness and your affection for us. And we know that you are at work, and uh, what we want to see is to see you work in our lives. And, and Father, we want to be conscious of your presence, and, and we want to be caught up with you. And I just pray that this morning would be a time where you would speak to our hearts, a time where you would bring us deeper in you, that uh, we would experience freedom, because you've called us for freedom. You've called us to walk in freedom. So I, I thank you, Father, that you have freedom at hand, or you have freedom available to all of us. And I just pray that we would tap into that, so we say yes to what you want to say. We, we remove all obstacles. We pray for our minds to be open to what you want to tell us this morning. And Father, I pray that you would go beyond my words and that you would just sow your word in every heart because we know that your word uh, does not return void. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah. So how many of you, if you've uh, worked on your, uh, your desserts and uh, you're filling up your freezer? Some of you, yeah, there you go. So we are in this series of uh, DNA, and uh, we've been talking about why are we here and uh, what is the calling of the church. Like I said previously, I, I think that as we, we go through what we're going through and what we went through, I think it's really very, uh, I think it's really enlightening or it's very important for us to know why are we here, right? And I think that as we go through this, God is revealing to me and probably to you this purpose that we're on or this, uh, this calling that God has set upon our lives. And I think that we're seeing that more and more where it's becoming clearer and clearer on why we are here. One of the things that I believe that God wants to bring in our lives, he, he wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring freedom in, very, in many aspects where we're caught up with God, where we are uh, free from the things of this world and free to be vessel, uh, vessels for him. And what I'd like to talk about this morning, I'd like to talk about one of the values that we have when, we, when I teach partnership class, I talk about that value, uh, and that value is, um, is generosity. I believe one of the, one of the, one of the characteristics of a Christian is to be able to walk in generosity. And uh, when it comes to generosity, I really believe it's a topic of freedom. 
a freedom in our hearts, to be able to live life with open hands, to be able to be a blessings, a blessing to others, where we value the people that are around us and that we choose to be a, a person that will bring hope, joy, and, and meet needs of others that God is uh, really doing or accomplishing through me and you. So, so when it comes to generosity, I, I think it's a, it's a hard topic. Sometimes we're afraid of talking about it, but I think it's so, it's so prominent in the Bible. When we look at the parables that Jesus taught or explained, there's so many mentions or so many focus on, there's a focus on generosity. And when we look at the principle in the Old Testament and also the principle of, of the New Testament, we find the place of generosity. If you have your Bible, take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9, there's this focus of or on generosity. It's uh, Paul is, uh, is trying, to find, trying to raise an offering for Jerusalem. And uh, the story is there was a famine in Jerusalem, and the church was uh, hit hard. And so, uh, so Paul, what he did, he went on in Asia and also in Europe and trying to raise funds to support the church in Jerusalem. And so chapter 8 and chapter 9 talks about the call to be generous. And in verse 7, it says, and this is the challenge that I'm challenged with, and probably you will be challenged too. It says, but just as you excel in everything... Uh, we're called to excel in everything. And, and when it comes to excel, it talks about growth. Can you tell your neighbor that my, I'm, not all, I'm not grown up yet? I'm not fully grown up yet. I'm in the process of growing. I, I'm in this journey of growing, right? And that's the thing when it comes to our Christian walk. We've never come to a place where we can say, hey, I've mastered this. I'm done, right? It's never like this. It's always, there's always room to grow. There's always room to, for progress. And we don't want to come to a point where we listen for others. And we say, oh, that person should listen to this. Oh, and, and we, sometimes we, we send, uh, we send uh, links, say, oh, you got to listen to that, right? Listen to this, and you have an agenda because you want that person or, or even someone preaching here to speak to that person. And in many occasions, it's good attention. But, but sometimes we think about others, and we don't realize that maybe I'm called to grow too, right? Maybe that God has an agenda for me too. And, and so the thing is, it's not to receive God's word for others, but it's to receive it for ourselves. And that's what it says here. But just as you excel in everything, and how Paul says that, he kind of plays with them saying, you know, this is what you're called to excel in. So in, in, the, in the writing in Greek, it talks, it's kind of saying, this is what you should aim at, right? It's kind of a tricky thing. He says you excel, but this is what you should focus on. So he says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, this is where you trust God, where you, uh, you, you trust in his word, you trust in his promises, in his speech. And how do you excel in speech? It refers to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 of the gift of the Spirit. And uh, one of the preeminent gifts that you find there, it's the gift of prophecy. And the prophecy is to exhort, comfort, and encourage. So you want to grow as in being an encouragement to other people, where you pray for God to work through you, and then you speak life over people, and then you encourage people from the word of the Lord uh, because of the word that God, that God gave you, so you speak out his word. So you grow in faith, you grow in speech, you grow in knowledge, and here it talks about knowing God's will, discerning his will. Then he says, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, and look what he says after. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. In the grace of giving. 
meaning that you are also called to grow in generosity and knowing that the generosity or whatever you have, it's a grace that God has given you. So my challenge for you this morning, wherever you are, it's to grow in generosity. It's to say, God, here I am. I've got open hands. I want to be a vessel for you. I want to be part of something bigger than my life. I want, to be, uh, I want you to have your way through me. I want to be a blessing to other people. And it's not linked to what you have in your bank account. I'll talk about that in a moment because it's a heart condition. So what we are seeing here is that Paul is saying that we should excel in the grace of giving. And so how do I grow in generosity? Good question, right? How does that, how does that happen? The first way that it happens by it's by knowing the source. When you know the source, when you understand where everything comes from, it's a lot easier to be generous. When I live life thinking that I produced everything and that I am the owner of everything, then I have a word to say in a way that I can control it. But when I realize that God is the owner of everything, huh, it changes the equation right? There's a difference of living life where you own everything. It belongs to you. It's under your name versus if it's under Christ's name. And it doesn't happen overnight to see everything shift from your name to Christ's name. And it talks about death. It talks about surrender. But it also talks about blessing. It also talks about provision. And this is where there's a difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Because if you walk in the flesh, you think it's all yours. And it's you that controls everything. If you walk in the spirit, you realize that you're just a manager and everything belongs to Christ. And that's, that's a way of life. This is why when I talk about growing in, in generosity, it never stops. Because I believe that it's a process and you let go one finger at a time, right? And you come to a place of abandonment where you say, God, I'm not living for myself anymore. I really trust you. I really believe that you will care for me. And so here I am. I just want to be a blessing first to you and also to others. So that's the calling that we have. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Hmm. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The ability to produce wealth. It's him that does that. It's like when you have kids. And uh, I remember playing hockey on the street with the kids. And um, let's say I used to play hockey and I played uh, minor league until like I couldn't play anymore. I was not good enough to continue. <laughs> and so I, I, I stopped playing hockey. I, I was eight, 19 and I was a goaltender. And uh, when I played hockey with my kids, the kids would shoot the puck, and I would let the puck in, and, and they would be all excited, oh, scars! And, and then, you know, I would pretend that I was useless and no good. But it came to a point where the kids thought they were better than they were. Like, the kids really thought they were Gretzky's at one point. See, they were shooting, and they were scoring. And then at one point, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop the puck. I'm going stop to stop the puck. Hmm. It was supposed to go in. And they try again, and you stop the puck. Hmm. You know, it played on a little bit on their, their confidence, right? And then in French, I would say have, they had a yellow laughter. They laughed, but they didn't really laugh, right? So what, what's happening there? And, and they came to the thought that they were good, and they were able to do it. 
But the only reason really why they were able to score is because I let the puck in, right? And it's the same thing when it comes to our faith. All, everything that we have is, comes from God. And sometimes we think it's our fruit. We're like this kid that, that shoots the puck in and he thinks he's a superstar. But he's not. Just because someone is showing grace, right? It's the same thing when it comes to our lives. We think sometimes we're superstars. Yeah, we do well. We, we compare ourselves to others and we're doing well and it's fine and dandy. But we have to realize that whatever we have, it's given by God. Everything belongs to God. Everything. Yay, Everything belongs to God. And I need to understand that. And I need to realize that's the truth. So the moment I start to think that I'm capable on my own, I think I'm taking a dangerous path. And this is where I block God's voice. And this is where I take ownership and I don't walk and live with open hands. Agai chapter 2 verse 8 says, Silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Hmm. And why does... When you look at this verse, I look at this verse and say, why does God doesn't give all the riches to the church? Well, it's because he wants us to walk in faith and depend on him. So it's not, it's not because that God owns it that we will have it. Does that make sense? Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So it's important for us to see that everything belongs to God and so I got to realize whatever I have is not mine, belongs to him. So I want to live with this knowledge of the source. And I've got to know that God is a generous God. When we look at the character, the character of God, and we're in this season of Christmas, and this is a season of giving, right? And this is where we celebrate the greatest gift ever, the father that gave his son, and the son that gave his life for us to be redeemed and reconciled to him. It's an amazing story, right? It never gets old. This is why we're here. And this is the message that we have as a church, this good news. It's a good news, right? But it's based on generosity. So when we look at the character of God, we see a generous God. He's a generous God. And we have that DNA. When you give yourself to the Lord, you have that generous DNA, and where you are looking at being a blessing and investing and loving on people. And the amazing with that, and I'll talk, that, I'll talk about that in a moment, is that when the seed dies, it will produce fruits. And there's resurrection after death. And that's the principle of God's kingdom. When you surrender, God raises you up. When you die to self, he raises you up too. So there's this way of life that we're called to embrace that is different from this world. So God is a generous God. From the get-go, you look at Abel that learned to bring offerings. From the before the law, generosity was present in God's people. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will bring over with new wine. And here it talks about honoring. And, and when you understand that God is your source, you live with honor. When you understand that everything belongs to God, everything that comes your way, you say, God, I honor you. I give you my first fruit. This would be your tithe. Your tithe. That would be offering. That would also be sacrificial giving. That would be also a faith giving, where you say, God, everything belongs to you. And when it comes with first fruit, is you say, God, this belongs to you, and not that this is it. Not when it comes to the New Testament, it's not this belongs to you, the 10% belongs to you, and the 90% belongs to me. No. It would be fun to say that, 
but it's not the case. It's, yeah, for sure the first fruits belongs to God, but the 90% too belongs to God. You know, it's not just fulfilling your religious duties and say, I give myself, I give 10% and I'm off the hook and then I can close my ears and say, blah, 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 blah. I, I gave and I did what I was supposed to do and I'm done. No, everything belongs to him. For sure the principle of the first fruit is totally biblical and before the law. But it's more than that. It's to live a life of abandonment and to realize that everything belongs to the Lord. But there's also the blessing that God uh, follows when it comes to, to, uh, to being faithful. And this is where, where my point two comes in. How do I grow in generosity? It's by knowing God's economy. Why do I walk in generosity? Because it's the economy of God that is different from the economy of the world. It's a new way of thinking. Giving is more. Say that to your neighbor. Giving is more. That doesn't make any sense. Listen, it doesn't make any sense that giving is more. It doesn't make any sense. Like, stacking up is more, right? Piling up is more, but giving is more. Like, how does that work? It's, it's a new principle. It's a different way of doing life. It's like learning another language. It's not the same. It's going from standard to metric. Like, okay, try to count. What's, what's a meter? How many feet, right? It's a different language. And sometimes we get caught in newness of life in God, and we forget the principle of God's kingdom. But, but when it comes to, listen to this, when it comes to generosity, it's under uh, a new world. It's, it's under a, a different banner. It's, it's, uh, it's a different economy. If you look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, listen to this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Wow. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. What a verse, right? I was going to say, papao. I'm going to say it. Papao. Right? <laughs> Unreal. So, so uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? One gives freely, not under obligation, not under guilt, not under manipulation. Okay? Yet grows all the richer. So you give and you're richer? Well, yeah. And it's more just than money. You get richer. You get experience, you see God intervene, you see God's blasting, you see people be touched. It's, it opens a door that you would never see open if you would not embrace generosity. You see, it's such a blessing. And so here it says that the one that withholds what he should give, so what should he give? It's a very good question, right? First of all, I think he should give first fruits. Secondly, he should be available for God to say, God, what do you want me to do? God, here I am. Use me for your glory. Whatever I have, whoever I am belongs to you, right? And it says here, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. And so here it talks about taking care of the poor and the people are in need and not to do it with a grudging heart. You know what that means? Is that you don't give with judgment. Like you look down at someone. Let's say, for example, you're doing well 
and you help out someone. You're giving it, but you're saying, oh, man, if the person would do this and the person would do that, if the person would do like me, would be prosperous. And if he would follow my principle, then he would prosper. And you're, you're giving it with conditions. You're giving it to people that deserves it. But what about people that don't deserve it? Like, I, I don't deserve grace. Here I am today. Do you deserve grace? No. And here we sit on the throne and we judge. And so we give grudgingly. Ah. And he says, don't do it this way. And he says, and look, look, look at this. He says, give generously. How do you give generously? With freedom, without, grudging, without a grudging heart. Then because of this, because you gave generously, and because you didn't give with a grudging heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you'll put your hand to. So what, what happens, and you, sometimes you don't even see it. You're doing life, and, and God is blessing you, and, and then you realize that later on, if you take the time just to stop and connect with God, God God's going to show you, well, yeah, look, I'm blessing you, and you, you got more here, you got more there, and, and it's amazing how God does that, but he does it. If we take the time to stop and evaluate and just see his fingerprints, and he's, you'll see his fingerprints all over. But how you want to give is with generosity and, and without judgment. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And just before that, he talks about forgiveness. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he talks about generosity. Give, just be free. That's what I want to share to you this morning. It's about being free in generosity. Not to be tied down, not to be controlled with the fear of lack, but to be generous. To say, God, here I am. Hey, I want to be a blessing. You get up in the morning, God, how can I be a blessing? And, and that's the heart that we should have. And that's how we want to be as a church. We want to be a generous church. We want to be known for a generosity, more than financially. But one of the cornerstone listen to this one of the cornerstone that we want that we want in our lives or we want to celebrate and we want to live by it's generosity not to be afraid of of giving but to know that there's God's economy and when you give God will take care of you and I have to 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 specify that you don't give to get back if you don't give to get back because your motive is wrong because then you give and the focus is on you. You give because you believe. You give because you love. You give because you obey to what God is leading you according to his word, but also according to his, his prompting, right? So it's amazing when you look at God's economy. And Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that you may have food in the house. Attest me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's a powerful verse, right? It says, test me in this. Trust me in this. It's one of the only places in the Bible where he says to test God. And, and, and so, so that's so important for us to be captivated by this, this principle or this economy of God. Proverb 19, verse 17 says, If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. You're lending to the Lord. Hmm. And it will repay you. Like, if you lend to the Lord, I'm pretty confident in that, right? We, according to Agai, all the riches and all the, all the gold belongs to him. So I'm lending. To, when you bless people, you're lending to the Lord. And God says, I'll pay you back. So I don't know exactly how that looks, the payback. That's up to him. But he says he will. It's not me. Right? 
It's not, it's not, it's, it's not, a, a, it's not a, a, um, a, a word of a man. It, it says this, that we're called to, to trust God when it comes to generosity. My third point when it, when it comes to how do we live generously, generosity is not a financial position but a heart condition. And sometimes we say, you know, if I would be rich, if I would have the, uh, the, the, uh, the RV of my neighbor and his, his, his truck and all that, and if I would have his money, then I would be generous. No, you wouldn't be. It's not because you have money that you'll be generous. It's a heart condition. Did you know that most people, that, that the, the, st- the stats are, the richer you get, the less you give? That's the stats, you know? And it's not about having money and being fine financially that is the meter for you to be generous. No. It has nothing to do with the money you have. It has all to do with your heart. Because you can be stingy with $100 in your bank account, you can be stingy with $5 million in your bank account. It doesn't matter. It's your heart condition. And sometimes we justify our lack of generosity because of our situation. For sure, sometimes we have to align our finances and be wise, and we're called to manage well. But the reality is that it's not because you have more that you'll be more generous. Like, let's say if you can't be generous in this season, there's a good chance that you won't be generous in the next season. And if you're not generous right now, there's a good chance you won't be generous when you have all what you think you should have to be generous. It's not going to happen. Because it's a heart condition. And what we need to do is we need to, um, we need to put our hearts before God and say, God, it's all yours. I'm not called to pass the buck to someone else. I'm just called to be obey, obeying. Uh, I'm just called to celebrate obedience and being open to what God wants, us, wants me to do and, and to live a life of surrender. I like what Matthew chapter 6, verse 36, 26 says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, uh, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at the next phrase. You are, you are, not, much, much, uh, you are not much valuable than they. Like, uh, uh, are, are you not more valuable than them? Yes, you are. I don't know, that rocks me in my heart. And that phrase, when I was preparing, I looked at that phrase, and I need to believe that I'm valuable in the eyes of God. And you need to believe that God will take care of you. I need to know that. Whatever the season you're in, and especially in the season that we're in as a nation, I need to believe that. I need to believe that I'm valuable in the eyes of God. I remember when I started in ministry, and I probably shared this story before, I remember starting at 21, 23, I was a lead pastor. And I remember my first year, our general offering was 17,000. And I had a dentist in the assembly that uh, left Hamilton south, uh, south of Ontario to move in northern Ontario to help small churches. So he left his practice and came to northern Ontario to help a small church. And he was part-time in a small community. And like our budget was 17,000, he probably gave 10, <laughs> you know. So, so I'm looking at my first year and, and I'm like serving God and trying my best to do his work. And, and then you have this question, God, if I continue like this, what will happen in the future? How can I survive? How can I have kids? How can, like, you know, the fear creeps in of what's going to happen, okay? How, like my kids schooling and all of that and the future, and you say, well, how, like, is it worth doing this? And, and you have this battle. And I, I remember in my journey so many times God saying, son, I've got you. 
son, I've got you. And I look back now and I got to say, God, you had me. And you still have me. And you still carry me. And, and so when I look at this phrase, am I more valuable than the birds of the air? Absolutely, and you too. You see, you too were so valuable for him. And so that's why he says in verse 31, so do not worry saying, what, should, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But look what I'm called to do though. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness is the way you do life, the way you conduct yourself. But his kingdom is about others. It's about his kingdom. And all these things will be added unto you or given to you as well. So, so God will take care of you if you focus on him and you celebrate generosity. He will be there for you. And this is where you live as a son. And we talked about that in the past. You don't live as an orphan. You live as a, as a son and daughter. You don't have to strive. You don't have to win God's favor. You do life because you, God's life, um, God's, you got God's favor. You're generous because you have God's favor. And, and so you want to invest in faith what I've received by grace. I want to invest in faith what I receive by grace. Mm, I think it's so important. Number four, how do I live with generosity? Generosity is an acquired taste. I love this one. Generosity is an acquired taste. It's like eating broccoli for the first time. Ah, right? Cauliflower. What a stupid vegetable, right? <laughs> Cauliflower. It's white. So, what's the point of eating a white Vegetable, they say the nutrients and the vitamins is in color, and there's no color there. That's what I say to my wife. Why do we eat this? There's no vitamins in there. But it's not true. God made it. It's good. Cauliflower is good. <laughs> but it's an acquired taste, right? It's, it's an acquired taste. It's the same thing with generosity. Like, you, you start to be generous. <laughs> you don't really like it. Blah. <laughs> Because you're thinking, you're seeing your bank account go down. Ah, you don't like it, right? Your security is a little shaken. That's not fun. You're nervous inside. Ah, you think about what you're missing. Well, you could buy this or that. You could go for a trip, blah, 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 blah. Ah, it's not fun. But it's an acquired taste. Because when you start to bless, you see the difference you're making in people's lives. You're influencing others. You're influencing the kingdom. And then, oh, that's pretty cool. Then you see God provide and bless you and, and opening doors that you've never seen open before. And then, wow, it becomes like, I want to do this now. Like, it's like, I want this. And it's like, I'll take more broccoli on my plate now because it's not bad, right? You add cheese, <laughs> a lot of butter. Hey, <laughs> that's the trick, right? But generosity is an acquired taste. And some of us, we got to learn to try it. Because it's so amazing, so much fun. You know, Christianity is fun. Like, life is awesome. And to see God bless others through it, it's like, imagine you're helping someone, and this person is praying for God to intervene. God, come and intervene. And you show up, and you are the answer to their prayer. I don't think there's anything better than that, right? You go back in your car, and say, oh, hallelujah, praise God. Who's next, God? What do you want me to do? Right? Because it's exciting. 
It's exciting. And that's what, how we should live. We should live with generous, uh, generous heart, with open hands, right? You look at when you invest in the local church like this one here. Like, we're not good on showing everything that happens during the week and all that, the awesome things that are happening, how many people are reached. Actually, we've never really lost a beat. The only thing that really suffers is this here. But when it comes to all the different ministries, it's just rolling full pen. And when you invest in this, like, it's amazing what God does. And I want you to realize that generosity gives you a participation in something bigger than yourself. So when you say, God, use me, and, and you see God flow through you, I think it's so amazing to be part of that. It brings joy into our hearts. And so we, we want to see that. Look, look what it says in Proverbs 21, verse 26. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly Loves to give. He's not forced to give. He loves to give. Because it's an acquired taste. Man, because God intervenes and he sees blessings. And, and he's seeing that, uh, the difference that he makes. And it's not about the amount. You know, it's not about you say, well, if I, you know, if I, if I have to give a, a four digits number to give. It has nothing to do with the amount. It's, it, it has to do with your heart and, and obedience. And let God multiply it, right? So, it's, so generosity is a way of ministry, right? So, so we want to be, we, we want to grow in this. My last point is, our generosity is our testimony. It's our calling. That's what we're called. That that's, is our light. That's one of the light that we can shine in the darkness. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on top, uh, put it on, on its stand. It gives light uh, for everyone in the house. Look what it says in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men. And how do you do that? That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that's what we're called to be known for, our good deeds. You know? We're called to be, I, I look at how many shoeboxes that left from this community. And, and, and people are saying, we, we, I think Southern Manitoba gave more than Manitoba itself. It's pretty amazing, the generosity. But we're called to be known for generosity. You're called to be known for your generosity. And, and, and look what it says when you see it. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's not their Father in heaven yet, but it's your Father in heaven. You see, it introduced people to Father. When you're generous, it introduced people to Father. When you are the light of the world and you do good deeds and you bless others, people are seeing your Father and it gives them the, the desire and the taste to have father as their father, you see? So that is our light. That's our testimony. That's what we should be known for. How is GMC, Gospel Mission Church, should be known for? For its good deeds. And what is the good deeds? Generosity. So when it comes to the church, it's way more than what we do as a church. You're the church. I'm the church. So our DNA, Christ's DNA, it's to embrace generosity. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.